Hello, I'm Harry Gritch, and today I'll be discussing universal basic income, which is also commonly referred to as UBI. UBI has gained a lot of popularity and attention in the past few years, but there are also very widespread misconceptions surrounding the topic. Many people have heard of UBI, but there's a lot of confusion about its, specific, its, its specifics, its effects, how it would be implemented, and more. Today, I will take some time to clear up some of that confusion. I hope you enjoy. The best place to start when discussing UBI is to explain exactly what it is. So when talking about a universal basic income, we're talking about regular cash payments made to individuals without any requirements or qualifiers, and individuals are free to spend that cash however they want. So it is paid to absolutely everybody on a regular specified time interval, and there are no restrictions on any part of it. But that is what we would consider a universal basic income. A lot of programs would be considered a basic income, um, and that can have a lot of different variations that make it not universal and don't make it conditional or don't make it unconditional. Um, and so that may include if you are to continue receiving a basic income, you have to either earn below a certain income or you may need to get a job if you don't have one or apply for jobs if you don't have one or enroll in school, things such as that. So there are qualifiers for receiving that basic income. Now, one of the interesting things about UBI is its history, because as an economic idea, it's been around for a really long time, but it has had a few surges in popularity, most recently being that during the 2020 election, where Andrew Yang ran on a UBI platform. So if we want to talk about a little bit earlier, um, UBI saw one of its biggest rises in popularity during the civil rights movement, um, where there was this idea that with a basic income, the effects of unequal pay and wage gaps and income gaps, things such as that, would be mitigated with a basic income. And so that also extended to um, equal pay for women, where there was that idea that a basic income will kind of help to lessen the effects of unequal pay. Um, and so then in 2020, for the 2020 election, when Andrew Yang ran on a UBI platform, he proposed $1,000 a month to every American. And that was when UBI really skyrocketed most recently in popularity to something that is very widely talked about and discussed, especially during that election. Um, but a lot of the specifics of it still remained pretty unclear, um, at least for a lot of the people who are hearing about it. Um, and so then, but UBI actually has a very long history outside of the United States as well. And it has actually tried, has, has been tried in many different countries all around the world. Um, and so that includes places like Finland, Germany, Iran, even Alaska in the United States has its own basic income program, um, and Kenya too. Those are some of the biggest examples, but there have been several throughout the entire world. However, many of these are just limited case studies. 
um, with the goal of seeing how a basic income given to a smaller group of people would affect the lives of those people and get a smaller control group before starting a larger nationwide program. And so there's this question of why UBI is so appealing and why it's been tried in so many different places. Um, And one of the biggest reasons is that it offers nations a relatively simple way to raise their bottom line and incentivize work and education. Um, And so the idea of that is that if people have a little bit more spending money, they have more time, energy, and resources to reinvest into the economy. Whether that's something like getting an education, going back to school, or starting your own business, or even something like going on vacation. All of those things are going to be putting that money that they got right back into the economy and kind of fueling it more than people below the poverty, when more than people would be able to when they're below the poverty line. Um, and so in most of the case studies that this has been tried in, those effects have actually been found to happen. Um, a lot of people, when asked to report things like their happiness level, their productivity level before and after receiving a basic income, there have been massive differences and massive positive differences. Um, obviously, it's not going to be a universal thing. There have been arguments that um, there, there's the idea that if people receive an income for not working, then they're not incentivized to work. And in some very rare instances, that can happen. There can be people who are well off enough without an income or with with the basic income and without a job that it is possible for them to just not work and live off of their basic income. But that is such a rare effect and that it, it is basically mitigated by all of the positive effects. Um, however, all of these spending programs for basic income have been very limited um, and the vast majority of them are not universal. The closest one to a universal one has been in Kenya, which has had the most widespread program. It's given a basic income to more than 20,000 people across various villages and measured how giving income to one village will affect the economies and productivity of the ones surrounding it. And they have noticed that there has been an increase in productivity in surrounding towns and villages um, to the ones that have received a basic income. So even though they are much smaller programs than, you know, a proposed nationwide one, they have been able to measure some of the effects of a basic income. And then another reason for the very widespread popularity of UBI is the influence of Keynesian economics. Um, But it's important to understand what Keynesian economics would be and, you know, who Keynes is. So John Maynard Keynes was an economist who, during his time, believed that the best way to get an economy out of a recession is through government funding and government spending. So he believed that if a government spends money during a recession, that money can then be used to be put back into the economy, and then it'll jumpstart everything again. And so he had massive influence on government spending programs up until about the 80s when economics gained a more conservative approach again. Um, However, without 
Keynesian ideals, the idea of a basic income wouldn't really be considered possible. Um, and so his influence was really important to the idea that if a government is spending all of this money on individual citizens, it could actually be beneficial to the economy. Um, and with all that said, there is now a lot of criticisms of UBI and they're coming from a wide variety of people. And so one of the biggest criticisms of it is that there is a massive lack of specificity when it comes to UBI programs. And so there, what that means is that there are a lot of questions about what a UBI would be. Things like how much people should be paid, how often, whether or not it should be unconditional, and things like its relationship to welfare, whether it would work in tandem with welfare or whether it would replace it, things such as that, where there are a lot of question marks and there aren't many, there haven't been many specific answers offered. Um, another is the question of where funding would come from. Um, during trial runs, the biggest problem they would find is that they were just running out of money to give to people. Um, and so then the question is, where should funds be taken from to support UBI? And the answer to that question is going to depend massively, is going to vary massively depending on who is being asked. And so it's a tough question to answer. And then, so yeah, those Things such as that are coming from all sides of the political spectrum, which is very interesting. A lot of the most outspoken criticism of UBI comes from conservatives who see it as exorbitant spending and think it would not be effective and that people should not receive money for not working. However, a lot of liberals and socialists also have their criticisms of UBI and see it as a way of maintaining the bottom line rather than raising it because they think that a UBI could incentivize employers to lower wages and remove other worker protections that would then kind of lessen the positive impacts of a UBI. Um, and so, yeah, there are a lot of criticisms coming from all sides of the spectrum that raise important questions about the how feasible a UBI program would be. Um, and so, in all, UBI is regular cash payments made to individuals without any restrictions on how it would be how that money would be used um there have been trial runs all around the world to test its viability test its effects and a lot of those trials have seen that they increase the happiness of people as well as their productivity and how much they put back into the economy um and because of that it's gained massive widespread support um, not only from within the U.S. and within people who support politicians like Andrew Yang, but also on a global scale. However, there are just as many people who criticize it for things like its lack of specificity and whether or not we know how to fund it and what the specifics of it should be. Um, so in all, there are a lot of positives, potential positives to a UBI program, but there are still a lot of questions that need to be answered about whether or not it would work and how it would work. Um, and so that wraps, wraps up my quick summary on UBI. Hopefully I was able to clear up some of the confusion that exists around what it is and help you gain a better understanding of such a popular topic. Thank you for listening.